There's an old saying, the truth is stranger than fiction. And in many ways, when I think about writing villains, or really good villains as it is, I'm often tempted to look at real-life examples, reading up on the autobiographies of horrific characters throughout history in order to gain some semblance of what it will take to make a great villain. And if I'm completely honest with myself, creating a really good villain can sometimes be way more fun than making a great hero. But why is that? In this episode, 38 of The Writer's Lens, I'll be looking at the concept of, isn't it more fun to write villains than heroes anyway? This is Josh J.C. Felto, and this is The Writer's Lens. All right, well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I'm back after a week's hiatus. Uh, my family and myself had a nice vacation. I apologize to anybody that was looking forward to an episode this past week, but man, it feels good to recharge and sort of re-energize those creative batteries and just life's batteries in general. I mean, it's good to just get away for a bit and not put my mind on work or anything else that I'm doing. Although, as a creative, and I, I know anybody else out there that is a creative, uh, has the creative mindset, has those creative juices, going on vacation can sometimes feel like overload of inspiration. Because you, you might go to a place that's remote, it could be semi-exotic, it could have really beautiful scenery, you're immersed in nature. Hopefully when you take vacations, you go someplace to get away from people. And I know that sounds in, a, in some way antisocial or, or bad, but, but I, I just feel like in the modern era, in the 21st century, with information moving as fast as it does, with technology invading every facet of our private lives, it is so good to just unplug once in a while. And I mean literally unplug. Go to a cottage, hang out by the lake or the ocean if you happen to be near one. Moving water is so serene for your soul and for your mind. Uh, I mean, my my family, uh, we went up to the lake, the shoreline up in Lake uh, by Lake Erie, in a in a uh, cottage slash uh, beach house, and it was so nice. I mean, I. I was up there just sitting on the shoreline, just kind of going, wow, this is great. But at the same time, I'm sitting there going, man, I'm I'm just being just filled up with all these ideas for my books and for this podcast. And just, it's, it's one of those terrible double-edged swords about being a creative person is that when you do finally take vacations away from a lot of other things, you, you tend to get those, those big downloads of creative inspiration. So I just, I wanted to share that before I got into this episode because it was much needed and I, I want to promote that as much as possible. If you are someone that, that just feels bogged down by sort of the routine or the monotony of whatever it is that you're doing in your, in your waking life, it's so good to get into nature, so good to get away from people for a while and just sort of download your thoughts and uh, just kind of let uh, again, if me speaking personally, just letting God kind of fill a bit of a void for a while was so, so invigorating for me. So, so anyway, back to the topic at hand, which is villains. Uh, how fitting <laughs> of all things to, to come back to after a vacation it is the topic of villains. And in this episode, I, I want to unpack a couple of things. And, and the first one is this, is that as a writer, writing villains is a very fun thing for me to do. And I really don't think I'm alone in that sentiment uh, as far as writers go. Uh, if I were to poll a lot of my writing friends and I were to ask them, you know, what's some of your favorite characters that you've written? 
I mean, they may mention their hero characters, but if I said, well, what about the villain that you wrote? You know, how fun was it to write that person? I'd probably get a couple of smirks and some some wide grins, and, and they might go, oh, yeah, Josh. Yeah, that, that was really fun for me. That was interesting. Like, interesting and intriguing, I think, are the two words that would that would pop up in reference to how we write the villains of our stories. And and this is something in this episode that I think is so pertinent because the villain of any story that I write in many ways is the is sort of the darker elements of, of my own personality. And I get to explore those in therapeutic ways by by writing my villain. And because it ends up being a sense of therapy for myself, it's it's very freeing. I mean, there's something very freeing about writing a villain uh, in, a, in a fictional story. Because let's be honest, there are certain things that my villain can do in a story that I would never do in my waking life. I mean, or at least I shouldn't do in my waking life. Let's just, you know, let's be honest about that. But, but the freeing nature of it to just explore the rabbit hole, you know, go down that dark tunnel of what would I do, you know, if I was presented this situation and I had no rules bound to me, you know, other than the rules of maybe the story that I'm writing, what would I do in those situations? I mean, my latest story, The Road to Mars, the the primary villain of this story, which was the adversary, which was kind of the, the entity uh, behind everything, but the physical villain of this story was a character named Virgil. And Virgil was the head of a mercenary group called The Hunt, which was overtaking what is now post-apocalyptic Pittsburgh. And Virgil was looking to assert his influence across more and more of what is, you know, old or uh, the post-apocalyptic Western PA and and further on and, and onward. And when he finds out that there's a person from Mars that he can capture, he sees this as an opportunity to exert his influence and expand it even further. And so there's this ego element of, look, I can just get a little bit more. You know, I can I can just take a little bit more on and, and that'll be great for me. This will be an opportunity for me to look like a hero of my own story. Because there is a, you know, there are some some good quotes out there as far as villains and heroes go. And I've shared a few on these podcasts, but but one that I really like that that I think uh, Tom Hiddleston most recently was given credit for was, was that every villain is the hero of his own story. And I, and I just love that, that sentiment there because it's so true. I mean, you know, even if we do walk around thinking that, you know, we have it all together and we're, we're doing the things like it's us against the universe. There's a, there is a potential that we are the villain of, of the story that we're in, you know, that we could be impeding upon other people uh, in a way that, you know, our selfishness or our self-indulgence is causing other, other people to stumble. And that's not good. Okay. That, that's just not a good thing to have happen, uh, you know, in our waking life. But in a fictional sense, to be able to explore sort of the villainous tendencies of our of our nature, yes, it's therapeutic, but it also can be a little bit of a of a of a self conscious awakening in many ways. And I and I want to unpack that a little bit too, because now that I'm talking a bit about this idea that that it can be therapeutic is one thing, and it's fun, but also to kind of get a little bit of a window into ourselves as to how we see ourselves in relation to other people. Uh, and, you know, this is not an episode to say you need to to figure out yourself entirely and, you know, take sort of a self-authoring exam or, or figure out what your Myers-Briggs says about yourself. But 
we all have blind spots, okay? We all have blind spots about who we are as people. And, you know, again, we like to think that we're doing more good than bad. I would, I would think that most, most people would, would tend to think that about themselves. But there's always that, that draw, that allure to want to do things that are not socially good, okay? Or not good for other people, but rather would be good just for us. And so in my own creative writing pursuits, I get to look at that, you know, through that window of, you know, myself. But, but even more so, I get to look at how I demonize potentially other people. And, and again, I, I want to be very clear with this, this second part of what I'm talking about in this episode is that it's so easy for us to demonize other people and see them as our enemy, to see them as the villain of our story. And let me explain a little bit of that. My wife and I, who have been married for, you know, four, almost four years now. We've been together for a little over six years. Not a really long time to say that, okay, we've, we've had a lot of bumps in the road. We've had our struggles for sure, and I know we'll have more in the future. But one of the things my wife and I have always talked about is that how we can never be the enemies of, our, of, of each other. You know, we can never look at ourselves and then look at the other person and then say, you're trying to stop me from achieving my goals. Okay, you're my enemy. Like that should, that's off the table. Okay. When you come to that agreement with one another, even if you do come to that agreement and you say, look, I'm not going to attack you. You're not going to attack me. We're, we're going to pull an armistice here and we're not going to, we're not going to do this to one another. Here's the reality. You still will do this to one another. You're still going to have moments where you look at the other person and go, why do you hate me? Right? Like, why do you have to treat me like your enemy? It just, it's just human nature, okay? It just happens. Like, there's no perfect individual that does this perfectly. But here's the, here's the point I'm trying to make is that even with the one person, my spouse, who I'm going to wake up next to, hopefully, uh, <laughs> uh, for many, 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 many years to come, and she's going to wake up next to me, and I'm going to be living with her and with our children, this is the tightest human bond I'm going to have potentially in this life is my spouse. Okay. And I still have a tendency to see her as my enemy, even after the years of marriage. How easy is it then to demonize the total stranger? How easy is it for me to look at someone that I don't know that I don't have all this investment with and look at them and immediately say, this person is, is a villain in my mind. That person has no place being around me because I see them as a bad person bad individual. Like there's one or two things about them that I just can't stand. I don't care to see anything else about them. There's nothing redeemable about that person. That person is the villain of my story. It's so easy to do that. And because this is such an easy thing to do in in our everyday lives when we're up and about and walking around, as a writer, I know that if I if I sit down and I and I start to create a villain, I know how fun and easy it is to come up with all the characteristics of a, of a villain, you know, to come up with someone that I think would be uh, the opposite of my protagonist, because it's not easy being the hero. I mean, I just did a, an episode on this, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago where I was talking about how uh, we all want to be a hero in, in some regard, you know, like we, w- we want to be the hero of our stories and we love to read about great heroes, but in terms of actually living it out, it's hard to do that. It's hard to be the hero. It's much easier to be the villain. But in the same way as an audience and as, a, as someone who's reading 
a good book or a story we're invested in and there's an obvious hero and there's an obvious villain, we root for that hero because we want to be like that hero. But in the same sense, we, we can imagine what it's like to have someone trying to stop us because it's so easy for us to do it when we're up and walking around uh, in our daily life. Because we're doing it all the time, we're always we're always in that fight or flight kind of mode. I mean, I'm not saying that we're that we're super anxious people and we're you know we're, we're always looking to to run away from everything. But if you can track with this, it's it's fun because it's therapeutic. Because we we like to think about how we could inflict upon other people what we would do if if we had the reins and we had all the power to do so. But in the same sense, we think about what other people are capable of doing to us. So that's why we root for our heroes. So it's fun in some sense to to imagine the villain and what you'd want to do to other people who have wronged you. But it's also therapeutic, like I said earlier, about looking into ourselves and getting this sort of this dark reflection of some of the pieces of ourselves that you know maybe we don't even want to come to grips with. I mean, I'm not saying that this is a deep psychological analysis, but but you know even at a at a, uh, you know, even at a spiritual level to be aware of these kinds of things, which is something that I would, you know, I would uh, push and challenge people on, is that it's more than just emotional in some senses. There's a spirit behind this, uh, this deviation from goodness that we're so drawn to uh, in what we do. And uh, it's fun to think about all those things that we would do if we were the villain um, and, uh, and what draws us to do that. So, so these are some of the things that, again, as a writer, as a creative, you know, I try to keep these things in mind whenever I'm writing my villains and I'm trying to come up with them because, because villains aren't always very obvious. Uh, you know, I've, I've used a few examples in this episode where, where villains may seem obvious, but they're not always obvious characters. I mean, uh, I think one of the, the best films of the 90s was Beauty and the Beast. Okay, Beauty and the Beast by Disney was, was just phenomenal from beginning to end. And I'm not just saying that because I was, I was probably about eight or nine when it came out, and and I think like most prepubescent boys, I had a little bit of a crush on Belle, and I think most boys had crushes on on most of the cartoon girls <laughs> that were coming out during the '90s anyway. Um, but but anyway, the the main villain of that story is a character named Gaston, and outwardly he appears to be like the staple hero. He's buff. He's strong. He's youthful. He's full of, uh, you know, he's got a lot of vitality to him, and everybody wants to be him. Everybody wants to be around Gaston, okay, and he has that goofy sidekick, LeFou, who's always helping him out, even though Gaston doesn't care about him whatsoever. So he's very alluring physically, and everything about him seems to be well put together, but everything underneath the surface, though, is wrong, and that's why he's such a great foil for the Beast character, because the Beast outwardly looks terrifying, and uh, no one would ever dare get near him because he's this, you know, this sort of amalgamation of different creatures, but has the has the mind and the and the uh, heart of a of a man. But as his heart changes throughout the story, he ends up becoming this tender, loving, gentle, humble individual, which is nothing like what he appears to be. And me personally, like I, as a writer, I enjoy villains that are not very obvious. Okay, I mean, I, I love Lord of the Rings and the Dark Lord Sauron, the Dark Lord Voldemort, you know, Darth Vader and the Dark Lords of the Sith. And, and, and I enjoy villains like that. I mean, I, I don't want that to, to be the uh, sort of the end note of this episode as far as villains are concerned. 
But I do enjoy a villain that isn't so obvious to me, okay? And I, and I try to do that in my own work. Uh, so if you're someone who enjoys that that kind of a villain, you know, I that would be my that would be my tendency to write that way, uh, because I because I I think about these things about how we can like I was saying earlier in the episode how we can demonize other people so easily and how we want to be the heroes of our stories, but but the fantasy of being the villain can always be somewhat fun to think of, and again as a writer this this sort of deep reflection of of what are the things that I would do if I were the villain, and getting that window into how far down the rabbit hole you're willing to take yourself to see, uh, again, therapeutic, fun to do, but always good to just pull back away from and say, okay, that, that would never be me in my, in my life. Okay, that would never be me in, in my waking life. So, so those are the two major items of this episode that I wanted to really just address and talk about with regards to you know, how fun it is to write a villain as opposed to uh, always writing the hero character. Because again, uh, as I talked about in the, in the hero's journey, in many ways, the, the level of challenge that the villain is presenting to your hero uh, is often a good indicator of how great the journey is going to be for your hero in the first place. I mean, if you have a really weak villain, then the story really isn't going to hold up that well. I mean, your hero doesn't really have too much to do. So if there's a lot at stake... Uh, it could be something very personal or it could be something on a very macro level, then then your audience can be pulled into that and, and understand how high the stakes are for your character. And that's fun to do too. I mean, that's fun to explore. I mean, again, as a creative, I, I really love sort of pulling up roots and, and just figuring out like, where is my character going to go from here? You know, and, and kind of working my way backwards. You know, I, I try to create a a puzzle that the villain is making for my hero and the and the hero sort of has to figure out how he's going to get through this next uh, problem that he's been presented with uh, that the villain is, is throwing at him in, in some way. So, so those are the fun things that there can be about writing a villain in that sense uh, as well. So that I've covered a lot of the psychological stuff uh, with regards to why it's so fun to write a villain uh, for the therapy and because of how easy it is to demonize other people. But probably one of the other great reasons why it's so fun to write a villain is because of all the things you can come up with. I mean, the scenarios you can you can draw up uh, for your hero. I mean, in my, you know, again, using the example from my own book, The Road to Mars, one of the really fun things to do was to create a trap for my protagonists and have the trap set by my villain. How are my heroes going to get out of this? You know, how are the main characters going to sift through this next boundary or barrier that they're up against and get through the next, uh, you know, get through this threshold or whatever it is they have to do? That's pretty fun. I mean, that's actually kind of a fun aspect of writing a fiction is you get to create all these scenarios. And uh, granted, obviously, you're controlling them, but it's neat in a way to kind of work backwards and think about what would I do to trip these guys up? You know, what would I do to cause strife? You know, what would be some of the aims of my villains? I, th I think one of the big mistakes that young writers make is they come up with all these great things that heroes are going to do in their stories. So if they're writing some kind of epic tale or, or they've come up with some great story about, uh, you know, a sword bringer or, uh, you know, a, 
a, a great knight or perhaps a, an archer or or you know some superhero who's going to overcome the bad guys and they come up with these scenarios of of uh, the character's superpowers or or you know, what their histories are and their background and all these kinds of things and then you never actually think well what would be a really sticky situation okay what would be a horrible situation for this character to work themselves out of how would they use their wits how would they use their their strengths how would the villain try to expose their weaknesses i mean these are some of the fun parts of of writing that you have to take pride in if you're going to make a really great villain and that can be fun in of itself it's a little bit of work but i find that to be very fun as well i mean i i don't just like to create a great hero who's invulnerable and he's impenetrable and he, there's nothing about him that you can't shake uh, and and maybe the only thing that can stop him is himself I mean that's that's not really as fun to do I mean it, it's just it isn't I mean you can have reflective moments where the where the hero is questioning his own sanity or perhaps questioning his journey but he's got to have a great villain that wants to back him into a corner until he he can he can't handle it anymore and so as a as a creative writer you know, I have to be in that that frame of mind. I have to think about how I'm going to make a really tough scenario that will challenge my hero morally, uh, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally. There has to be all these different things that my villain is focused on attacking. So that again can be very fun. I mean, it's 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 again it's a bit of a perverse way of looking at it, but but it's kind of fun to try and deconstruct somebody. And think about, well, I've built up this great hero in my story, and now I'm going to tear him apart. Now I'm going to figure out how to how to make him into a fragmented piece of whatever he is. But guess what? I'm going to redeem him. I'm going to figure out how he's going to get through all these things, even though he's got a busted leg, or he only has one eye, or whatever the ailment might be, or whatever challenge he has to overcome. These are the kinds of things that, that I find uh, to be of great value in good storytelling is is overcoming those insurmountable odds and part of that is having a villain that knows those weaknesses and attacks them and is able to exploit them in some way i mean look at one of the best superhero tandems uh of the last hundred years or so batman and the joker okay what two completely opposite characters and the joker is 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 so good at just trying to exploit batman's weaknesses i mean every single time i think they've engaged one another in any comic book or movie or whatever it's been there's there's so different on every level but the joker what what's so great about his character and anybody that writes for him knows is that he's complete chaos he's complete insanity he does everything that's unpredictable to someone like batman who wants to keep things under control you know he he has a, a set moral code or, or code of ethics that he's not going to break and the joker knows this so he tries to exploit that that's great villainy okay that's that's making a great villain for for a great hero so so those are the things I'll, I'll leave you guys with for this this week's episode. Uh, as I as I pull this thing into a halt, uh, I didn't have a lot a lot to say after my vacation, but um, but I think a lot of really good tidbits in there about talking about villains. So before I go, then uh, again, guys, if uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, you know this is me saying, hey, you can support the podcast at Patreon.Podbean.com/JCAlfelto. Uh, you can like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Or if there's someone that you know of that has a bit of a creative bent to them, not against you sharing it with them to see if they can check it out. Maybe I can help them out. Maybe they can reach out to me. You know, I'm, I'm not against kind of interacting via the internet. <laughs> so, uh, 
So, so yeah, go ahead and do those things. And then uh, on top of all that, uh, next week, I'm going to be kind of wrapping up this villain series where I'm going to be talking about what is really the role of any writer when it comes to talking about good and evil. I mean, is there a responsibility that writers have to talk about the good things of humanity as opposed to the evils of humanity and to not embellish evil, but to show that good can always triumph over it. So I want to kind of unpack that idea in my next episode. Uh, So if you've been enjoying this hero villain contrast I'm doing, I think next week is going to be a little bit of pulling it in for a landing, but I want to leave it on sort of this macro concept of is there responsibility to be had for writers like myself when it comes to talking about good and evil and the larger narrative that's out there. So so that's what I'll be talking about next week. And um, again, I'm excited to be back and, and keeping this podcast rolling. So again, uh, guys, I will catch up with you again shortly. Have a great week. And we'll talk to you then. This is Josh J.C. Alfelto for The Writer's Lens. Music.